This is the Daily Perspective Podcast for Monday, the 22nd day of February, 2021. Hi there, Mark Congleton here, your sometimes humble host for this daily dose of observation, insight, and absurdity. Hoping you had a great weekend and that you are rested, ready, and uh, prepared to jump at moment's notice. If it re- if it if it's required, I don't know. Hi, how are you? <laughs> As usual, I find myself I, preoccupied before things get started, and then I realize, oh my gosh, we're starting because it's just you know one of those things. I, why is this happening? It's something you can't see. I'm I'm here in the midst of. Uh, hang on. Yeah, that's working. Good, good, good. I'm just trying to make sure that everything is working. You know, you know it's just, it's just bizarreness. Um, making sure I've got all the buttons clicked. Everything is happening. That we're on, that we're on YouTube. That uh, everything is recording. That uh, life, the universe, and everything is good. And uh, of course, everything is not. But hey, we're gonna press forward. This is what happens when I let myself get distracted. And it's funny because I, I, I come to the studio. For example, this morning I come early. I come into the studio early because I know eh, there's a couple of things I might want to get done. And then I get those things done. And as long as I'm doing that, I might as well do this. And, oh, look at that. What happened with that? And then before I know it, it's all snowballed. Completely unplanned and mostly unnecessary stuff has snowballed into a monumental distraction that means, oh, gosh, the show's starting. Whoa, what happened? This is just, oh, look shiny. Um, it's the Monday edition of the podcast. I hope you had a great weekend. I hope you got some time away. You were able to uh, regroup and refocus and um, and reassess things. Because uh, we, we have so much thrown at us today. If you are a, um, a consumer of the daily news, then you understand we are getting a lot of junk thrown at us every day. Most of which you can't trust most of which is questionable at best, most of which is uh, is disgusting, quite honestly. And you need a little time away. You need to unplug, disconnect, and recharge. And uh, for people like me, the best way to do that is to, is to step away from social media for a certain amount of time, to stop watching the news for a certain amount of time, to reconnect with family and friends if you can, to... To go to church if you can. I mean, if you're not a church person, then eh, okay, I, I get that. Uh, but church is community. Church is uh, church is a lot like. Well, what's the best way I can put this? Um, Mayberry, I guess it's it's a good way to put it. It it it, it helps you connect with people. Today we don't have the same sort of connections we used to have, you know, in neighborhoods and, and the like. We don't have the same kind of uh, community that we used to have. And I think it's extremely important because that's one of the reasons that we treat each other so badly on social media is that we have forgotten what it's like to have face-to-face relationships with people. And those face-to-face relationships with people are vital. They're necessary. If you don't have those face-to-face relationships with people, then trust me, everything begins falling apart. Everything does. You lose your concept of, of uh, kindness and generosity and, and, and responsibility to others who are individuals just like you are. I think it's extremely important to gather together as people who are like-minded. 
And I can't think of a better place to do that than than in church. And honestly, I don't really care about your denominational preference. I don't care about your the the person. Personally, I don't care about which flavor of the spiritual soda pop that you that you decide to partake of. I just think it's important for the sake of gathering together of people with people who believe and see the world the same way you do. That's one reason that social media has been good for some people. But the flip side of that is that it is still impersonal because you don't have that, that connection with people, seeing them on a regular basis and getting to know them, getting to know their families, caring about them and them caring about you. It's important. And that's just setting the spiritual aspects aside. And I, I, and we can get into that at a future time, okay, the spiritual aspects. But just, just know that even though the Christian community in America has been condemned by the left, it's, being, it's been pigeonholed for, gosh, it's been pigeonholed for as long as I have been a member of the, of the Christian community. And, uh, and it's mainly because it's misunderstood and most who misunderstand it refuse to learn about it. They don't know it from personal experience. And when they have said that they've given it a chance, they've given it a chance on their terms. And that's like, that's like dating someone and saying, okay, prove yourself to me. Well, what's going to happen? You're not going to have a very healthy relationship, are you? No, you're not. So <laughs> you have to, you have to take it on the terms that come naturally to it, which means you're going to have to set everything, your presuppositions aside and walk through it to experience it firsthand and put your personal preferences aside. It, you, it's just the way it's got to happen. You have to surrender. And people aren't willing to do that. Oh, I'm not going to surrender to that. Okay, fine. Then you're not going to know what it really is. Enough of that. But it's important, as I said. Um, I, I likened it to Mayberry originally, and it's 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 an important thing because when you think about watching the old Andy Griffith show, people walked by and 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 waved at people on their front porches. Everybody knew everybody, and that was and to a, some degree is small town America today, but that sense of community and people knowing everybody is pretty much gone because <laughs> as comedian James Gregory once said, we don't have front porches anymore. We have decks. Everybody lives on their deck. <laughs> now you're, you live behind the house and many times you have big privacy fences up so nobody can see you in your backyard hanging out on your deck because you isolate yourself from everybody. Everything's different than it used to be. It used to be that if you as a kid were misbehaving, the next door neighbor would yank a knot on you and drag you home to your parents. <laughs> and your parents would say, thank you. <laughs> that sense of community is gone today. And I think the only place you're going to find it today is within a church community. So if you miss that sense of community, then get yourself involved in a church and not on your terms. Surrender yourself to it and then see what happens. Eh. But that's that. Coming up on the podcast today, a handful of things to talk about. We'll see what we get to. There's, uh, 
let me let me start from the the back end of the stack the bottom end of the stack and we may get there we may not and then i'll work my way back to the beginning here first uh, towards the end of my list of things is uh, what uh, uh, governor DeSantis in florida has said <laughs> has had to say about some things and he's basically told told everybody who disagrees to just go pound sand which i think is amusing and and good for him uh joe biden has opened a faith-based office um in his administration which is something that has been done before but this time you know that sense of community well you can flush that down down the uh, down the crapper as far as this setup is concerned um let's find out what is inside the democrats 1.9 trillion dollar stimulus bill we'll have a take we'll we'll have a take on that coming up very soon chuck schumer has decided that uh uh, the reason texas had all of its problem is because they ignored climate change (laughs) really (laughs) I, i i don't think so chucky no, I don't think so. I hit a button and it wasn't turned up. No, we'll find out about that in a little bit. Um, and before we go anywhere else, over the weekend, uh, I'd been seeing the notices and I, I, uh, I had uh, seen the announcements on social media. I'd seen the advertising pop up that the Muppet Show was making a return. Uh, not new Muppet Show episodes, but the classic Muppet Show, the original Muppet Show from back in, when was it, the 70s? Yeah, all those episodes with the Muppets. And trust me, when you look at those old episodes, they all they, they all look a lot rougher than they do today. They've been refined a lot over the years. Let's just say that. They've gotten very good at their puppet-making skills. They've, they've got the characters, their images the way they want them, and they all look a lot different today than they did back in the early days. And I noticed that the, that show was going to come back and I used to enjoy, it was a nice little mental escape from time to time. I used to enjoy watching them up at show now and then the jokes were corny. Um, and the running gags were just like, Oh, smack your forehead bad. And, but still there was something about it that had a certain appeal to it. And, I used to watch it from time to time. So I thought, well, you know what? They've been talking about this coming back. Let me check into it. And sure enough, The Muppet Show is back on Disney+. Plus. But there's this, there's this story that's popped up in conjunction with The Muppets coming back that, that bugs me just a little bit because apparently even The Muppets are offensive now. Anybody who streams the Muppet Show on Disney Plus is going to see a disclaimer first warning of offensive content. Now, this is what the story has been. I've seen this on The Blaze, the New York Post, a bunch of different places. This particular story I'm referring to now is uh, from the New York Post, written by Elizabeth uh, Elizalt. And she says that you're going to see this disclaimer about offensive content. I specifically looked for for that disclaimer. I did not see it. I may have missed it, but I don't think so. I will watch again today to see if, uh, if I can see that. But I didn't see it when I watched it yesterday. Now, Disney has released five seasons of The Muppet Show. They did so on Friday, allowing viewers to enjoy watching Kermit the Frog, Miss Piggy, Fozzie Bear, and celebrity guests as part of their $6.99 a month service. 
The disclaimer shown prior to each episode, according to this article, warns viewers that the show features stereotypes and mistreatment of people or cultures. Quote, this program includes negative depictions and or mistreatment of people or cultures. These stereotypes were wrong then and are wrong now. Rather than remove this content, we want to acknowledge its harmful impact, learn from it, and spark conversation to create a more inclusive future together. Disney is committed to creating stories with inspirational and aspirational themes that reflect the rich diversity of the human experience around the globe. Hmm. It is not stated, precisely, what Disney considers to be offensive on the show, but some characters depict Native Americans, Middle Eastern people, Asian people. In Season 5, legendary country singer Johnny Cash is seen performing in front of a Confederate flag. <gasps> oh! Yeah. That warning will also appear before some iconic movies, including the Aristocats, Dumbo, Peter Pan, Swiss Family Robinson, my wife and I watched Aristocats a few months ago. It, it was something that I couldn't remember ever having seen before, and I thought, hey, let's watch this. Got to be honest with you, I was having trouble staying awake. Just me. Some people, it's their favorite movie. I get that. If, if that's you, if you're a Disney fan and the Aristocats is your favorite Disney film, <laughs> but good for you. I'm happy for you. Well, it, it wasn't for me. But I can't think of anything in the Aristocats except for possibly, possibly, French accents. That's the only thing I can think of that could, by any stretch, and I mean stretch of the imagination, be found to be remotely offensive. And the same goes for The Muppet Show. It was a comedy show. And a lot of things in comedy are exaggerations of reality. They're absurdities. And intelligent, mature people understand absurdity for what it is. It's absurdity, for Pete's sake. It's not real. It's not meant to depict reality. It's an absurd exaggeration for the sake of a few laughs. And everybody with a brain understands that. Sadly, today, there are a lot of people among us who clearly don't have brains. It's the Daily Perspective Podcast for Monday, February 22nd, 2021. Good to have you along today. Thanks a lot for listening. I do appreciate that. Ah. The Muppets are offensive. I, I, we live in a society today, which sadly, many of us are offended by everything and as as a person who has worked in media for a long long time in in the various media industries in off and on here and there yeah there have been other things but i yeah focus my focus has been on media and i this is this is something that you kind of expect coming at you from a staff meeting you know, you go into a staff meeting and there's always somebody in a staff meeting who says, well, what if somebody's offended by that? Well, then we apologize to that one person, possibly. 
maybe we apologize or we just explain, hey, it's humor. Well, I don't like that. Well, I can't help that. that that's the old saying. That old saying, I, <laughs> I neither have the time nor the crayons necessary to explain this to you. So there we go. Oh, my gosh. And that is one of the absurd items of the day. The next one, the next thing I'll talk about, the next story is also absurd. And we'll dig into that in a moment. But I'm skimming social media during the break, and I see a post by a friend of mine. And it's a, it's, it says, if a high school kid flipping burgers deserves 15 bucks an hour, which works out to $2,400 a month, why isn't that the minimum Social Security payment? That's a very good question. It's a good question. So you're going to insist that $15 an hour is necessary because anything less is not a, quote, living wage, end quote. We all know the argument, don't we? We've been, it's been pounded into our skulls for the last several years. It's just not fair to have people living off of seven or so dollars, seven and a half dollars an hour when everything costs so much. Hmm. What they don't tell you is that, what is it, 2%? I may be wrong, but it's not much more than 2%, okay? 2% of the people working today for hourly wages are paid minimum wage. The absolute bare rock bottom minimum wage, about 2% of them. The rest of them have worked in a position for long enough to work themselves up the scale to make more. And please don't ever forget that minimum wage is an entry level position. If you're paid minimum wage, it's because you have not proven yourself. They don't know that you're worth any more and you're getting what the minimum they can legally pay you because you have not proven yourself. Once you've proven yourself, you can get reevaluated and make more money. And if where you are working doesn't reevaluate you and you have improved and you are showing remarkable progress, you, if, if, let's put it this way. If the job is easy and you're excelling at what you do, you should start making more money. If a job is easy to you, I should say, then your employer should recognize the fact that you have potential, reward you, and increase your responsibility to the point where you deserve more money and you'll make more money. This is how the real world works. The imaginary world that progressives, that, that leftists live in, the imaginary world, the rules are different there. They're different there, and in that imaginary world, you should be paid an incredible, incredible amount of money for not knowing what the heck you're doing. It doesn't make any sense to people with real brains. It just doesn't, but... That's the way it is. But that $2,400 a month minimum for Social Security, that would be great. But my first reaction, just a gut-level reaction to that is, wouldn't that require you putting more money into Social Security in order to get that amount of money back out of Social Security? Because that's kind of how it works. They take a certain amount of money out of your, your earnings every time you're paid. And then... That goes into, they say it goes into the Social Security lockbox. There is no such thing. The government takes it. They use it for any number of things. And when it comes time for you to retire, you go back to them and say, hey, I want my money. And you get your money. And, yes, they do tax it because it, didn't, it, it comes out before taxation beforehand. So it's money you didn't pay taxes on. You get taxed on it. And so you get less <laughs> of your money back. 
<laughs> so when you think about it, they take your money twice. <laughs> and you can't opt out. I mean, anyway, the, uh, the, the, the requirement would be that you have more money deducted from your pay. So are you willing to live with a bit less to get more back later on? Hmm. Or wouldn't it be better to just use your own self-discipline and determine the amount you want to be set aside and set that money aside yourself to earn interest over your lifetime to support you when you decide to retire? I know it's crazy talk. Well, Chuck Schumer has decided to speak up. Did so yesterday. He slammed the state of Texas. Remember now, don't mess with Texas. But Chucky's messing with Texas. He slammed them for getting caught off guard by last week's massive winter storm. He said the Lone Star State is paying the price for ignoring climate change. Quote, the bottom line is Texas thought it could go, go it alone and build a system. They built a system that ignored climate change. He said this in a Lower East Side press conference, referring to the state's decision to stay off the country's national power grid. He goes on to say it was not what's called resilient, and now Texas is paying the price. I hope they learned a lesson. Now, you're familiar with the news. The storm swept across a large swath of the U.S. last week. It brought record low temperatures and unprecedented icing that knocked out power to millions of people in Texas, crippled parts of the state's water system. The state's largest utility company, the Electric Reliability Council of Texas, that's ERCT, and government officials have come under fire for being unprepared for the storm. That has now killed more than 70 in the country, most of them in Texas. Texas is the only state in the continental U.S. to run its own standalone electricity grid. And they had not been forced to weatherize because it's not subject to federal oversight. Schumer went on to say, when we build power, we build anything. When we build anything now, we have to take into account that climate change is real. Or people will have, have to be caught the way the people in Texas were. When I wrote the Hurricane Sandy bill, 60 billion bucks for New York, we made sure everything was resilient. When they built back the subways, built back this, built back that, they were going to be resistant to climate changes, and we have to do that. He also took a shot at U.S. Senator Ted Cruz, who's under fire for going to Cancun, Mexico, in the aftermath of the storm. Schumer said, Ted Cruz is getting overwhelming criticism from Democrats and Republicans, and it is well-deserved. Just two words to Chuck Schumer. Shut up. For one thing, you're lying about climate change. Climate change is just another political ploy to frighten people to get more money and control from them. That's what climate change is all about. You were claiming that we were going to be in an ice age back in the 70s. When it turned out that wasn't working, you claim, you and yours claimed that we were glowing, that, that, that the world was going into global warming. And if we didn't do something about it, the, the climate would overheat and the planet would, be, would not support human life any longer. You were wrong about that. When it was obvious that the climate was constantly in flux and changing, you said, oh, well, that's our fault. That's humanity's fault. We have to do something about that because man-made climate change will destroy the planet. Why? To frighten people so that they would give up more of their liberty and control of their personal lives so that you could save them from man-made climate change. It's all a lie. It's all a lie. Is the climate changing? Of course it is. When the temperature goes up and down on our planet, we can tie it directly to solar activity and other things. 
Are we responsible for the majority of it? Absolutely not. Could we possibly be responsible for some of it? Maybe. But honestly, I don't think we'll ever know. Because people like Chuck Schumer and the other people lying about climate change in order to frighten people into giving them more power and control will never let us know exactly how much we have done and how much we can or cannot control because it doesn't play to their advantage. As for going to Cancun, so what? So Ted Cruz took his family away from the cold, away from the power outages, away from the freezing temperatures, and went to Cancun. They had a break, they had the opportunity, and he took them to Cancun. There are a lot of people on both sides of the political aisle who are saying, well, this is bad, this is optics that are not good, this doesn't look good for Ted Cruz. Really? How about thinking with some other sense besides your political sense and realize he did what any dad would do, given the opportunity and the wherewithal to make it happen? Let's get out of here. Nothing we can do here. Let's just go. Let's go somewhere warm. Would you not have done the same thing if you'd been able to do the same thing? Of course you would have. Anybody would have. Any decent, right-thinking adult would have done so. But when we're dealing with people on the left, we're not dealing with decent people or right-thinking people or people who behave like adults. We're dealing with people who behave like jealous, petulant children. And they try to condemn anyone who they can. Now, as for as for the situation with Texas being caught off guard, I shared a story from the Wall Street Journal on social media this morning, and, and you need to go have a look at it because it tells what actually happened. It goes behind what happened in Texas. And it shows that the reason Texas had difficulty was not because they didn't prepare for global climate change. It was because they bought into the green, the green movement lies about climate and technology and the best ways to produce power. They bought into all of that nonsense. And as a result, they didn't have what they needed to support their power system. The green technologies, the wind power and the solar power, failed them. You see, solar power doesn't work very well when there's a lot of clouds or the solar panels are covered in snow. And wind, wind generation of power doesn't work when the wind generators are frozen and can't turn. Natural gas, they had some problems with that too, with valves freezing and the like. But it was carbon-based fuels that saved Texans from freezing to death when green technology failed them. Had they gone green like Chuck Schumer suggests? We would have hundreds, if not thousands, of people dead, not just 70. It's the Monday edition of the Daily Perspective Podcast. 
Good to have you along today. I keep one eye on the, the live stream, seeing people pop in and out. Hey, stick around. Tell your friends. Invite them to the party. And subscribe. Go to dailyperspectivepodcast.com. It's dailyperspectivepodcast.com. I know it's a long name. Dailyperspectivepodcast.com. <laughs> Subscription links are there. The podcast is available everywhere you can find fine podcasts. Yep. All those places. Apple, Google, Spotify, all those places. You can find it everywhere. So uh, go go grab it, subscribe to it, and make it part of your daily dose of sanity and reality. Well, mostly just reality. Sometimes it's not very sane. <laughs> I've been listening a lot lately to the Mike Rowe podcast. I told you about this when I came back from my Florida trip, that uh, Mike Rowe kept me company on the road on the way down and on the way back. And um, i got to tell you, the guy has a great podcast and now his podcast, it used to be uh, about 10 minutes, and now it's an hour or more because he has the podcast, which now he's going through back through some of his older podcasts, which became stories for his book called The Way I Heard It. And he's, uh, he's telling the story behind the podcast, why he wrote the, the story to begin with, and then having a discussion with someone like his old buddy and producer Chuck or, or people that he's in business with, like um, his business partner Mary Sullivan and other people. And they talk about what's happened in his business doing what he does and how, they, how all of this, how, how it all relates to the podcast itself. And uh, um, over the weekend I listened to uh, um, an episode called The Irish Hammer which uh, was about his attorney, uh, an Irish woman who, who, had, who took him on as a client, I think mainly because she felt sorry for him. <laughs> Back in the early days, I think the first year of Dirty Jobs. And it's an interesting podcast, the entire thing. It's worth the, it's worth the hour plus a little bit to, to see what actually happened uh, with him and in those early days. Because... He signed a contract which was really not a good deal with Discovery, and he realized it wasn't a good deal, and he needed some help. And and somebody and he called somebody who was an attorney for Discovery, and because it was a conflict, they couldn't take his him on as a client, so they recommended him to somebody else. And the rest is history. She's now no longer doing the law practice; she's his business partner, working with him on micro micro works, and uh, and it, it's it's a fascinating story. It really is. And anyway, I've been enjoying it. Also, his new series on Discovery Plus. Um, Discovery Plus is a $5 a month add-on to whatever. I mean, you can subscribe to it on, on any, like on Apple, on the, uh, the Apple TV or smart televisions or things like that. And it's interesting. There's a lot of great stuff to watch there. But uh, it's a history show, Six Degrees. His new show is called Six Degrees. It's a history show. And I, I used to watch this show years ago, a long, long time ago. It was a British history show called Connections with a host named James Burke. And I used to really enjoy that show because it tied a lot of things together that you never would have associated with one another. 
and painted a picture about something that you just accept as part of your everyday life. Like they would start with some ancient battle in some countryside that you've never heard of and then tie that to something else that you might have heard of and then tie it to something else. Oh, yeah, I remember hearing about that in school. And, it, and they would go through these different things until they finally got to where they were, they, they were talking about something that was part of your everyday life and you understood how it came to be. And it was just a fascinating thing. And that's what Six Degrees does. And it's a, there's a lot of production goes into it, a lot of special effects, a lot of graphic work, a lot of, a lot of fun acting, and you see the same people cast as different characters over and over again. And sometimes they don't take it very seriously, which is beautiful. Uh, they, they have something that Mike Rowe refers to as the honesty cam, which uh, they have a camera where they, he walks off the set and the camera follows him off the green screen or someplace and you see other people working in the background preparing things pulling cables around carrying cameras things like that where you see things from uh, the perspective of someone who might be just hanging out on the set to watch it all happen and they weave that into the story and it is it's just very well done if you haven't seen it i recommend six degrees the new micro show on discovery plus not a paid announcement just enjoyed it. My wife and I watched a couple of episodes over the weekend, and now we have to see the rest of them. <laughs> well, the Democrats are up to it again. House Democrats Friday unveiled the $1.9 trillion economic stimulus package they hope to pass by late next week. Included in this bill, those $1,400 stimulus checks they keep promising you. Actually, Joe Biden promised $2,000. Remember that? Said, first thing we're going to do, bingo, $2,000, you're going to get your money. Well, it's, uh, it's getting close to two months now since he was uh, inaugurated, and they're just arguing. They're just arguing. There are going to be other, numerous other pandemic-related relief measures, additional funding for state and local governments, more federal unemployment benefits. The bill, which was stitched together by the Democratic-controlled House Budget Committee, according to Reuters, was also filled with dozens of items completely unrelated to direct pandemic relief. By the way, the bill is 591 pages long. Why does it take 591 pages to get you some financial relief and to help state and local governments with the things that are related to the pandemic and what it's done to us as a nation? It, it doesn't. It's because there's a lot of stuff in there. The bill would enact a key promise made by President Biden and Democrats increasing the federal minimum wage to 15 bucks by 2025. $15 an hour by 2025. This will destroy a lot of small businesses. It will just destroy them. They will not be able to afford to pay people $15 an hour. And when they raise their prices to cover that and make other adjustments, People will not be happy with paying the extra amounts or doing without the things they had to cut. And those businesses will suffer and fold. The bill allocates $300 million of taxpayer money for the Agricultural Department to conduct monitoring and surveillance of susceptible animals for incidents of COVID, SARS-CoV-2, as guided by the WHO or actually the World Organization for Animal Health. That's the woe. <laughs> Farm loans. 
The bill states that the Agricultural Department shall provide a payment in an amount equal to 120% of the outstanding indebtedness of each socially disadvantaged farmer or rancher as of January 1st, 2021, to pay off the loan directly or to the socially disadvantaged farmer or rancher. I want to know how they define socially disadvantaged. What does socially disadvantaged mean? If you're like me, you see that term and you think, in today's environment, that could mean literally anything. The purpose of the debt payment is to alleviate discriminatory barriers preventing socially disadvantaged farmers and ranchers from fully participating in the American farm economy. So goes the explanation. So, discriminatory barriers which prevent socially disadvantaged farmers and ranchers. What You know what this is? It's payments to minority farmers. And it's payments... It's payments to LGBTQ farmers and ranchers. It's payments to help tiny, tiny, fractionally small numbers of people for the sake of being woke and aware as a government. The bill also provides another billion bucks to the same group for outreach, mediation, financial training, capacity building training, cooperative development training and support other technical assistance to socially disadvantaged groups. Bending over backwards to help a tiny, tiny, tiny fraction of people. But allocating how much? As much as necessary. A payment equal to 20, 120% of their debt level. The bill allocates 91 million bucks for the 91 million bucks for the Department of Education to prevent, prepare for, and respond to coronavirus domestically or internationally, including direct outreach to students and borrowers about financial aid, economic impact payments, means-tested benefits, and tax benefits for which they may be eligible. Internationally? The Department of Education internationally? What? The bill allocates $135 million to the National Endowment for the Arts and another $135 million to the National Endowment for the Humanities. Meanwhile, the bill also allocates $200 million to the Institute of Museum and Library Services. The bill also gives $10 million for the preservation and maintenance of Native American languages. The bill provides a billion, one billion with a B, to strengthen vaccine confidence in the United States, provide further information and education with respect to vaccines, and improve rates of vaccination throughout the United States. Can I translate that for you? This bill provides a billion dollars, one billion dollars for propaganda to promote vaccines. A billion dollars. People are rightfully suspicious of vaccines rolled out so quickly when we know that it takes about 10 years to get a vaccine through the process properly even though the government drags its feet and is very slow at everything we realize it still takes time and something that happened as quickly as it did a lot of people are suspicious about 
And there are people who are suffering negative impact side effects and some who have died after taking the virus, uh, the vaccination for the uh, COVID-19. So people are suspicious and they're wary. But the government wants to alleviate those worries. So they're going to spend a billion dollars convincing people there's nothing to see here. There's nothing wrong. There's 50 million bucks going to family planning. Yes, it could include abortion. The bill provides $750 million for the director of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention to combat SARS-CoV-2, COVID-19, and other emerging infectious disease threats globally, including efforts related to global health security, global disease detection and response, global health protection, global immunization, and global coordination on public health. Global health. $750 million. What about here in the United States? What about here? What about that billion dollars for propaganda? Could they not spend that on other things instead of a propaganda campaign? The bill provides another $500 million to support public health data surveillance and analytics infrastructure modernization initiatives at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. The CDC going to get half a billion dollars to support public health data surveillance and analytics infrastructure modernization initiatives. And finally, by no means the last item, but the final one in our list here. The airline industry, which is controversial, had, was controversially bailed out in the first stimulus last spring, will get another $15 billion in this bill. $15 billion bucks to the airline industry. How about all those small businesses across America which have suffered and shuttered? There are places I drive through now where their businesses are gone. They're just gone. They couldn't survive. They're gone. Their employees have all had to find other work, and most of them didn't. What about all of those people? What about them? It's the Daily Perspective Podcast, the final segment for this Monday. Sliding through uh, social media during the break, as always. And, uh, well, of course, I just did that, and, of course, I refreshed, and it's gone. You know, that happens a lot. I'll find things that I think are really interesting. Wow, I need to share that. Just hang on while I uh, do what I'm doing here. I'll come back, and then... I'll share that to the uh, to the crowd on social media, and and then I come I come back afterwards, and it's refreshed, and what I've been looking at that was so interesting is suddenly gone, and it doesn't matter where you where you scam, you skim through everything, it's it's just gone, and then I see from others on social media who say, hey, uh, my reach is being diminished. Well, that explains why that interesting post was gone. Hmm. Yikes. 
One of the things was a picture side by side on the left is uh, Joe Biden on the right is Bernie Sanders. And the text says the millionaire on the left is 77 with dementia. The Marxist communist millionaire on the right is 78 with cardiovascular disease. Both have never worked a day outside of politics. Both made their millions from politics, never from ideas, productivity, employment, or innovation. Absolutely true. These people who are professional politicians have made their living. Their lifestyle is supported by your tax dollars and by the sweet deals they make because they have inside knowledge about things just because they're in government. Never forget that. Go look at how much money suddenly Joe Biden became worth after retiring from the Senate. Just go look at that. Well, Joe Biden signed an executive order last week reestablishing the White House Office of Faith-Based and Neighborhood Partnerships. That's a relic of the George W. Bush era. The White House's announcement of the office, however, suggests it will have little to do with faith. The issues Biden has assigned to the office pertain not to religion, but, of course, to left-wing politics. The office, according to the White House announcement, will combat systemic racism, increase opportunity and mobility for historically disadvantaged communities, advance international development and global humanitarian work, and strengthen pluralism and respect constitutional guarantees. Notice that last issue, which is just disguised secularism. To strengthen pluralism and respect constitutional guarantees means downgrading America's Judeo-Christian traditions and placing them on the same plane as atheism. The language in the fine print of the White House announcement is telling, quote, Fundamental to these goals is respecting our cherished guarantees of church-state separation and freedom for people of all faiths and none, as the executive order notes. The partnership's office, for example, will not prefer one faith over another or faith favor religious over secular organizations. Then why have a faith-based office at all? Well, the answer is that the Democrats find it useful to enlist the left-wing religious in their causes. Democrats like to give a religious patina to their reverse racism and big government policies. They oppose the influence of religion on politics, but not the influence of politics on religion. Hemant Mehta, who writes a blog called Friendly Atheist at Patheos, cheered the news of Biden's faithless, faith-based office saying, Joe Biden's restoring the White House faith office, but it's no cause for alarm. Biden has appointed Melissa Rogers to be the executive director of the office. Rogers previously headed up the office under Obama and was very popular with secularist groups, including uh, that is according to Meta, who says she generally got rave reviews from our side of the aisle. Rogers respected the establishment clause, so much so that her appointment was met with gushing praise from the leaders of several church-state separation groups, including Americans United, the ACLU, Interfaith Alliance, the American Humanist Association, and the Center for Inquiry. During Rogers' time there, the office met with the Secular Coalition for America, invited atheists to a discussion about interfaith and community service programming on campus, and pushed for a policy preventing groups receiving grants from preaching while using taxpayer funds. Wow. 
So while the office itself was at the center was the center of a lot of criticism from the atheist community, Rogers was certainly more inclusive of us than anyone before her, and the office did what it could it could to prevent religious proselytization at taxpayer expense. Mm. The deputy director of the office is Josh Dixon, who's also popular with secularist groups. It was Dixon, says Meta, who helped us launch Humanists for Biden last fall. Meta reports approvingly that Americans United for Separation of Church and State is thrilled with the appointment of Rogers as executive director of the office. The group sees her as an ally in the fight to secularize the First Amendment. He says, we applaud President Biden for choosing Melissa Rogers to, once again, run the Office of Faith-Based and Neighborhood Partnerships. The Trump administration spent four years adopting policies that misused religious freedom to sanction discrimination, deny access to health care, and require taxpayers to fund religion. We have confidence that the Biden administration will work hard to right these wrongs and reclaim religious freedom as a shield to protect rather than a sword to harm others. We must ensure that our laws do not allow people to use their religious beliefs to harm others. I just have to stop there. There's more. I may get to it in a sec here, but the claim that the Trump administration spent four years adopting policies that misused religious freedom to sanction discrimination, to deny access to health care, and require taxpayer funding of religion. Those claims are all lies. Bald-faced, straight-up lies. Because people like this, this guy, Meta, interpret things they disagree with in a way that makes them evil. So he sees something, he would rather see money going a different direction, and he says, well, they, didn't, they did this, to, they, they funded religion instead of doing what was right. Or if there's a decision made which doesn't go his way, he says, well, they have, they have supported religion and thus given government support to religion in defiance of the First Amendment in defiance of the Constitution. And, and they, quite honestly, misinterpret the Constitution to suit their views as well. Intentionally so. And backing up a bit, as long as I'm stopping here, the office, during Roger's time previously, the office met with the Secular Coalition for America, invited atheists to a discussion about interfaith and community service programming on campus, and pushed for a policy preventing groups receiving grants from preaching while using taxpayer funds. I, I got to be honest with you, I don't want my church getting taxpayer money because I don't want my church beholden to the government because the government is deeply corrupt, and I don't want the government telling my church what it can and cannot do. I want the Constitution protecting my church from what the government wants to do to my church. That's what I want. But the fact that they invited atheists to a discussion about interfaith and community service programming on campuses is just ridiculous. If you've had experiences with atheists today on social media, you understand what the definition of intolerance is. Because there is zero tolerance for any view besides the atheist view. Atheists today are evangelical. 
They are intolerant. They condemn anyone who does not see the world through their lenses. And inviting atheists to a discussion about interfaith matters is just ludicrous because they're not going to see anything beneficial about people of faith or ideas of faith being involved in a community process. Remember I started out talking about community, that sense of community that comes from being involved in a church and how it's been lost in this country, that sense of community with all of us living facing away from our neighbors, living on our decks in our backyards with our privacy fences, and just relating to be people via text message and social media. That sense of community has all but disappeared in America unless you live in a small town where everybody knows everybody. When you have people who are intolerant of other people's beliefs, being advisors on interfaith matters, then you have given them a platform, an opportunity, access to things they condemn openly and have no tolerance for. And their input cannot be beneficial. But this is what they have seen fit to do. Biden's faith-based office is not based on faith, but secularist and liberal conceits of the Democratic Party. Biden seeks not to protect faith, but to corrupt it by drawing the faithful into left-wing political causes. Meanwhile, as in the case of the Little Sisters of the Poor, he supports using government power to coerce the faithful into violating their consciences. One of the left's long-standing projects has been to take religion out of religion and put politics into it. The latest product of this campaign is Biden's faith-based office, which is not a concession to the religious but an attempt to con the religious. It's a con game. If you've dealt, as I said, with atheistic people, and a lot, the most progressives are atheistic, if you've dealt with them, they worship science, and they hate and have no tolerance for anyone who doesn't agree with them. And this is what will drive the Democrats' faith-based office during the Biden administration. Nothing else. It's a shame. This is not what our nation was founded to be, and it's not what it is supposed to be today. But the left doesn't care. The left has a better idea. The left is right, and you're wrong. And you should never forget that. And you need them. Why? Because you're too dumb to understand that they're right and why they're right. That's why. People like Joe Biden and those who are pulling his strings, because please make no mistake, Joe Biden is a puppet. Those pulling Joe Biden's strings, those writing every word he says, 
those preparing all of those executive actions, those executive orders that he's signing off on. Because trust me, they're not his idea. He didn't do it. He just takes credit for those ideas because he is a politician. He's the front man. Well, the people in the background behind him have a history of destroying religion because it's inconvenient for their cause. And that's what they'll try to do here in America today. They'll just present politics in religious robes and call it religion. And that's how we start the week. (laughs) God bless you. Have a great day. Let's get back together tomorrow for the next edition of the Daily Perspective Podcast. Bye-bye.